In a world where a man loves movies and loves lists and keeps a list of his 100 favorite movies for over 30 years, what if he made his wife watch those movies in order? And what if he made her talk about it on a podcast? Would she like them? Would she hate them? Can this marriage possibly survive this podcast? Find out what will happen in a world called Craig's List. Hi, Craig's listeners. It's Craig Kikowski, and you're listening to Craig's List. This is uh, number 67 on my list. It's uh, episode 34, and boy, you... Uh... You must really love this podcast. No, I'm I'm talking to you, the guy in his car. Yeah, you've uh, you're listening on your your iPad. You've got that long commute every week, and uh, boy, you've you've listened to this podcast from the beginning. Wow, I mean, we, we just really appreciate it. I mean, you even stuck with us during that sweet hereafter episode where Carla mostly talked about Trump. Uh boy, I wish I could just jump out of your your iPad and sit there in the car with you and, and we'd talk about movies or that you could jump into the podcast and hang out with me and Carla and, and talk about movies all day. <laughs> <laughs> Do most people listen to podcasts in their car on an iPad? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think there's all kinds of ways. Just to, you, there's all kinds of, that's how I do it. But uh, I do it on an iPhone. I, I was talking to one specific guy, not a oh, generic right. listener. Sure. Yeah. So this the one guy who loves you the most. This guy is so dedicated to us that I'm just going to jump out of his stereo system and uh and talk about movies with him. Awesome. This of course is all a tribute to today's movie number 67 on Craigslist, The Purple Rose of Cairo. And to help us do that today, we've got a very special guest. And uh he is an actor, an improviser, a writer. <laughs> <laughs> and his name is Brian Shortall. Hello. Thanks for pronouncing those correctly. <laughs> yes. A lot of people don't know. They all have O's. They all in yeah. an O's. Right mm -hmm. or. Yep. Right or. Uh, Brian, you are the biggest Woody Allen fan that I know. Yeah, I think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> he is owning it. Uh, and you've seen every Woody Allen movie multiple times? Or are there a few that, that are only a one-timer for you? No, I've seen them... All the ones that he's written and directed, I've seen multiple times. Wow. Um, yeah. And have you seen scenes from them all? I have. Yeah, even though he hasn't didn't yeah. write or direct that. Like uh, the he ones that he hasn't he written sure, and directed, he sure was. I've seen at least once. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. When did you first get into him? In college. There was actually a band called um, Jawbreaker, Jawbreaker uh, which is an old punk band from... Uh, like up the coast in Oakland. And they released an album called Dear You and... At the beginning of this album, at the beginning of this, one of the songs was the Christopher Walken quote from Annie Hall. Sometimes I imagine <laughs> I'm driving into, you know, the whole staring into headlights. And, um, I was like, this is hilarious. Or I, actually, I didn't think that. I thought, this is scary. And I was like, <laughs> but it was funny in the context of the song, but I was like, what movie is this from? This is like gotta be a really like unbelievably, like horrifically. <laughs> and I then, of course, watched Annie Hall and fell in love right away. So I was probably wow. like 19. Yeah. Wow. And uh, Purple Rose of Cairo, specifically, how many times have you seen that? I've probably seen that between 10 and 12. Ooh. 
Okay. Wow. Did you rewatch for this? Uh... I rewatched uh, major parts of it. Okay. For this. Yes, but cool, yeah. cool. So are are you the kind of fan where it's like all of his movies are great, or do no. you no? No, I'm not delusional. Um, <laughs> no, no <laughs> human can make uh, fifty like perfect films. Or yeah. though I th- I think you have uh, since you kind of see the totality of it, you can find things that are still charming in the movies that don't quite work because he's yeah. working with the same palette over and over Absolutely. and recurring themes. So yes. uh, I've, I have heard you stick up for ones that uh, have not been so well regarded. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I always think like there's, there's certain directors like Woody Allen's one of them for me. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson, the Coen brothers, um, a lot of little directors too. A lot of independent directors, like anything they do and short directors. And all short, all short, <laughs> um, that I, that I, I think even the worst of their movies is better than most things. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? It's like, if I see a Coen Brothers movie that doesn't click with audiences or critics, I'm like, well, I didn't waste my time. Yeah. That's better than any other thing that's showing at this cineplex right now. Yeah. So that's sort of the way I look at it, the sort of spectrum I have. I always find there's something interesting in a Woody Allen film that's worth taking home. Which was the Woody Allen film that we walked out of? Uh, I think I know. Can I say? Yes. Whatever works. It was whatever works. Okay, yeah. yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is the one with Larry David. Yes. I did eventually go back and finish it. Yeah. It wasn't as bad as I. I who it was knows? Probably wh- my fault. <laughs> <laughs> I was probably like. I think uh. you were. I think you probably were correct. I mean, most most of the fan, even his fans, didn't really dig that. It's yeah. in the bottom quarter, I say, of his movies. Agreed with that. Uh, and there's a lot of movies that have somebody who is not Woody Allen in the archetypal the Woody Allen role. And yeah. for some reason, like Larry David did not work in that more than most of them did not work for me. Actually, it's funny because you would think it would be on paper. Yeah. I thought about that though in the, in the, in the ensuing years after that release. And I feel it's because you'd think so, but they're so different. When you really think about, I mean, yes, they're old crotchety Jewish, you know, like <laughs> New yeah. Yorkers, New Yorkers, like, but he's like Larry David's so much more abrasive. He's scary. He's sort of scary. He puts yeah. a little bit of that. Whereas Woody, it's like, there's no threat from this little guy going, you know, if he were saying those lines, you'd be like, Oh, that's, that's classic Woody. You the know? basic Larry David bit is to poke, poke, poke where he should not poke. Yes. And that's yeah. a good way to put it. Yeah. And the Woody character will try something once and then And then give like, up try to right get away. out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there was a you little bit of You just moved away from something oh, yeah, almost was a, exactly like Woody Allen. A little physical. <laughs> oh, pl- please. I've stolen more from <laughs> Woody Allen. He really did create sort of like my, my comic uh, point of view. I shouldn't say that because I before that, of course, <laughs> age Nineteen, I had been exposed to comedy, but he really did put it in a uh, in a palatable way for me. Okay, so I'm not going to ask you what you think is the worst Woody Allen film, but I will phrase it like, what's maybe not the best one? Yeah, you can absolutely say the worst. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my least favorite is probably September. Me too. What's okay. that? That's my least oh, favorite. Oh, is that the like really serious one with yeah, it's all like the a ladies? Play almost. It's like an alt takes place in one location, and he actually you probably know that he reshot that whole thing with a completely new set of actors, new, right? New set cast. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Was that the one with all the ladies or no? There's always a lot of ladies. That's Interiors, yeah. probably. Interiors, yeah. that's yeah. what I'm yeah. thinking of. Yeah. 1978. Interiors, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I remember liking it a lot. I like it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but that that was his first straight up drama that yeah. he made. Is that the one of oh, spoilers where somebody walks into the ocean and yes. drowns? Yeah. Himself? Geraldine Page. It's Geraldine Page. Yeah. yeah. Oh, right. 
Yeah, I like and people that walking into the ocean is mentioned more than once in Woody Allen movies. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I, I, I always thought that was the funniest way to say, like, <laughs> walk into the most beautiful thing. <laughs> but yeah, September is just as dark uh, as interiors, but it's real slow, Very slow. real boring, and yeah. you just can't get into any of the characters, and it's, yeah. you, you want some, a moment of levity of some something, kind. yeah. Well, any, or perspective. I think it's no, it's no coincidence that that's the one he also reshot mm-hmm. in its entirety because I don't think he knew what he wanted with it. I think it would have worked as a play, actually. Um, for all his we know, plays it probably are sad and boring. His, his plays, yeah, his plays. Uh, unless just plays you're, in unless you're a sad <laughs> and boring movie, and then who knows what you could do? I stage. just made myself laugh so hard I choked on my spit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, favorite. Well, I mean, you know, Annie Hall is, is certainly a lot of people's favorite. It it sort of um, it sort of uh, changed my life. Mm. So I mean, I guess I'll say that's my favorite. You know, it's changed my life in the sense that I was going to, I was on a scholarship at Indiana University, and there was no film program there, and I I wasn't acting, and I was you know just basically going to school because I had a scholarship. And, uh, so you're like ready to walk into the ocean. I was ready to walk. I was going to pull a Geraldine Page. <laughs> but you're in Indiana. So, <laughs> there's that. so yeah. next step was to move back home. And so that, that it changed my life in the sense that it, I, I realized that's what I wanted to do when I moved back home and went to film school. Wow. And, and the Second City and all that. Yeah, Amazing. Yeah. So big inspiration. Well, let's get into the specificity of today's movie. This is a 1985 <laughs> film by Woody, who does typically a film a year. Yep. I think he had two that came out in 85, and they both have Rose in the title. Yes. Uh, now, was Broadway 84? Oh. Did it, did it, it might have been 84, but uh, they were right around the state. They, they were, were, back they to were back. within a few months. Exactly. Yeah. Don't yeah. look at me. <laughs> <laughs> they were definitely in it within a few. He does that once in a while where yeah, they, they crunch up. Now, right when up. you're saying Broadway, you're, you mean Broadway Danny Rose? Very. Not Bullets Over Broadway. Not Bullets Over Broadway or Bullets Over Roses, which he has yet to make. Oh. Interesting, because I refer to Broadway Danny Rose's BDR. So... <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, well, we'll I see. Think, who I think what he did on set. I think we can go back and look. <laughs> all right, we're shooting BDR, everybody. Why does he have such a cocky We all know. We know what we're We've doing. We've been working on this movie for weeks. <laughs> That's great. Uh, well, this movie is The Purple Rose of Cairo, mm-hmm. and this is centered uh, around a, a woman named Cecilia, played by Mia Farrow. And uh, I looked this up on IMDb in the trivia section, and apparently Mia Farrow and Woody Allen were, were dating at the time. Mm-hmm. Oh. So I think a lot of people don't know that, that they were a couple. Yep. And uh, <laughs> this, this is one of several movies uh, that she oh, did Oh, other people's him. pain is so hilarious. <laughs> you down with OPP? <laughs> other people's pain? BDR. <laughs> uh, but I think this might be the best performance she ever gave for yeah. him. It's, it's certainly up there. She's, she's wonderful. She's heartbreaking. Swoon. She's wonderful in it. So yeah. she's yeah. a woman named Cecilia who's... Uh, this is during the Great Depression in a town in New Jersey. She's in an abusive marriage with mm. Danny Aiello. Mm-hmm. Actually, a character played by Danny Aiello. <laughs> <laughs> that would be extra meta. <laughs> I'm living with a film star, and then a film star comes off the screen. <laughs> hey, I got an audition for Spike Lee. Oh, hey, I'm going to hit you up, kid, and I'm an actor. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, talking about hitting her in this. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, but to Woody's credit... Perhaps Woody's credit. We, it's, it's he never doesn't. Shown. Yeah, I right? mean, I, I think, think he was just 
I mean, that was the reality, right? Yeah. And I, you know, in a movie about fantasy and reality, I think you kind of have to show like the other guys are real. Yeah. Piece of work. Real scumbag. Yeah. And, but she escapes and she's also, uh, she's a terrible waitress. She has a terrible job <laughs> as, as a waitress. <laughs> and, uh, she escapes by going to the movies all the time. And she falls in love with a particular movie called The Purple Rose of Cairo, uh, which is, Appears to be kind of a screwball comedy, you know? Yeah, sort of the white telephone type movies they used to call them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like the, it was always in a Manhattan uh, high rise. Were they literally the called white a white telephone, telephone movie? They used to call those. Like film buffs have called them white telephone movies. Wow. It's yeah. funny. Yeah. Because well, when she pops into the movie later, she's like, I've always wanted a white telephone. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So then maybe funny. that's uh, putting a lantern on it yep. there. Um, another uh, or, or, or a lamp <laughs> writing. Shade. Or, or a <laughs> You gotta put like audible asterisks in here. <laughs> Check out the, uh, <laughs> we'll give you the background on all that. And uh, she goes to see Purple Rose of Cairo several times and she particularly has fallen in love with a character named Tom Baxter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and eventually Tom, the character on the screen, notices her and steps out of the movie and into her humdrum life in New Jersey mm. and, uh, they strike up a romance. But then, even smarter twist by this movie is that the actor who played uh, Tom, Tom, which is Gil. I forget his last name. Uh, yeah. Gil, and this is played by Jeff Daniels, by the way, in both roles, mm-hmm. uh, comes to New Jersey to try to persuade his character to get back on the screen. And so it's an interesting love triangle between filmgoer, character, and actor. Uh, the thing I love about Gil coming to get him back on the screen is that it's because he's afraid it's going to ruin his movie career. <laughs> right. Yeah, his motivations are purely shallow and vain. <laughs> it's like, oh man, nobody's going to hire me again yeah. if this if this character I played doesn't hop back into the movie screen. It's stat. So funny. It really is. It's it's quite a premise. It's quite a premise uh and it's not quite an airtight premise. No. Like, no. I, I think he's not really interested in the logistics of it or the even logistics. keeping the, keeping the logic of it consistent. Right. Because the characters in the movie, all of whom are now, <laughs> once, uh, Tom has left the movie, all the other characters are kind of stuck up there on the screen yes. in the same drawing room that they were left in and they just kind of get bored and, and fight with each other but yeah. they are they're conscious that they're in a movie they're conscious that they're characters yeah so they the, know the that the logic the movie, of it is kind of all over the place the, the logic is but I, I i will say and i defend that just a little bit is it's almost like you know if you were to delve deeper into it obviously the the, the house of cards would fall it would crumble it would crumble but there is something nice about just being like one of i forget the actor's name who says don't turn it off if you turn it off then yeah. we, we don't exist and it's like right. okay that's all i needed to know as far as the rules of the world yeah um it's sort of like in that movie looper where it's like if i talk to you about time travel i mean just <laughs> we were sitting here with straws for nine yeah. hours where it's right. just like you know there's a nice there's a nice way to get around it which i think he, i uh, really i actually that's one of my favorite parts about the film is that he explains it just enough, yes. but he doesn't spend too much time on it. Like yeah. even the reactions of the people who like own the theater or work at the theater, it's like, <laughs> oh boy, this thing just happened. Yeah. Hey, what are we gonna do? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they're not like uh, talking about you know how this is just upended reality. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Well, I think he's good at that of just like, no, this is this is the story this that is this is, thing, and this is what happens. Yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. played so matter of fact by all the real people who are dealing with it. Yeah, you know, they're they're just kind of dealing with the consequences of it. It's so and that's earnest. part of what makes it so funny. Yes, yeah. yes, they're earnestly like dealing with like, like seeing Mia Mia sort of 
take this premise and make it so real that she sucks you in and at, at least for me yeah. you know gets me emotional right. that's just showing you how how uh, well they're telling the story you know yeah not i i will give woody allen some credit i don't think a lot of filmmakers could pull this off no. in that way and another thing that carla really liked about this one hour 22 minutes love it <laughs> it's, love it it was the shortest movie track. left on the list <laughs> it's short and sweet it like it does what it needs to do yep. and it gets out yeah I, I think that is part of its brilliance like there's so many movies that could be a pluses many movies not just his just mm-hmm. where you're like okay there's the end and then it goes on for 25 minutes because of the script or the director or whatever yeah yeah and so you're really focusing on the simplicity of the premise and just mostly of uh, Cecilia interacting with these two guys, both by, played by Jeff Daniels, who's wonderful Great. Uh, in the dual role. And you really – he really differentiates these two guys. He's <laughs> too. so subtly. Yeah. You know, in a way that you didn't you – didn't, need to big I, I know that this was cast you guys know the story of michael keaton yes michael keaton was love. cast first in the movie and they shot a week with him. 10 days yeah. 10 days yeah. wow yeah and and woody's reasoning for you know letting him go was he just didn't look like an old-time actor he was had much more of a modern vibe and i couldn't agree more as much as i love michael keaton when you think about it, it's like his mannerisms. It just didn't. It didn't fit. It didn't. But he was Johnny Dangerously, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was during the same era. That's still same. Yeah, he did. I think. I think the tone of that may have been a little different. Yeah, yeah. Well, I. I you guys, he did Batman. He was fine. He's fine. <laughs> he made. He's some, one of my favorite actors. He made I love some him. good money a couple years he's later. He's okay. <laughs> but I do think the tone of this is so hard to pull off, and somehow it just feels perfect because. Yeah. Uh, and certainly he's done some other high concept movies that were just done sillier. Correct. You know? And I think this, there's a groundedness yeah. to it and an earnestness mm-hmm. to it that really makes it heartfelt. Uh, and you're not too focused on the absurdity of the, the concept. You really care about her. Yeah. Well, I think part of that reason is we can all identify with escaping in some ways. And a lot of us, you know, especially, you know, in our generation, we grew up, go to the movies, go to, you know, I used to do that every yeah. chance I got. And so you can relate to that as opposed to, say, one of his later comedies, like 2001's Hollywood Ending. Where yeah. it's like, he, he, I'm a director, and here's the premise, I get hysterical blindness, yeah. <laughs> and I can't direct the movie, and it's like, okay. So you can't really connect to that as much as you can with me as character here, I think. That's my theory. And I think Jeff Daniels is one of the great underrated actors. Mm, definitely. <laughs> like, he's so wonderful in so many things. He can, in such yeah. range. Such yeah. range. How could he be Will McAvoy and then the dude from Dumb and Dumber? Like, right. that's really something, you know. And then we had him on the list already early on in The Squid and the Whale where he's a shitty oh, yeah. he <laughs> shitty middle-aged dad yeah. with a huge beard and so Tom is so naive and innocent and they're like there's a lot of things that he does because of like it's written into my character you know? <laughs> and then where's Gil, the fade out <laughs> yeah and he, he doesn't know about making love no he doesn't know about pregnancy he doesn't know who Jesus is <laughs> of, like, right. and these are all things that you just wouldn't show in a movie at the time yeah so of, like he only knows what you can see in the movies I love the scene where he goes to the brothel with Diane Weist. Oh my gosh. And she's like, are there any more guys like you? Yeah. <laughs> That's really good. And they're like, we're going to throw you a party for yeah. free. And he's like, okay, what does that mean? I really, as a, as an adult now too, watching it, it's so, uh, 
it, it pays dividends of, of comedy of him just like confessing to a bunch of you know brothel. But what, what would you call them? Prostitutes. Prostitutes. <laughs> I was thinking of the old timing. Brothelizers. Brothelizers. Yeah, brothelizers. I failed my brothelizer. <laughs> he did. He failed his brothelizer. He failed his brothelizer. But just talking to them about true love was yeah. just so hysterical. He's like, she's my every breath. Yeah. <laughs> to have these girls. Glenn Headley, I think, is yes. one of them. Yeah, she's Glenn Headley. Yeah. Who I once saw on the street. Oh, yeah? Tell your Glenn Headley story, please. I was walking my dog, Benny, our dog, Benny, and I was paying attention to him, and I looked up, and she was standing right in front of me, and she rolled her eyes at me, and she went, and kept walking. (laughs) Oh, my. Because I guess because I almost walked into her. Oh, sorry, Glenn. With the dog, and I was like, but Dick Tracy. Uh, (laughs) And Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Yeah. That's true. Two classics. That would be in your top 100, would it not? Yes, for sure. Dirty Rotten, you big Steve Martin and Michael Caine fan? I love that movie. Great movie. They are remaking it. Not great. With Anne Hathaway. Even worse. <laughs> no, no. Cut tape. I love her. <laughs> Rewind. Edit. Beep. Uh, you work with Anne Hathaway. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you did? I think I did. What did I work with her? I don't know. No. Karen worked with her. Karen worked, Karen worked with her for several months on something, yeah. <laughs> Um, that's all. <laughs> well, here's something I was thinking about watching this movie uh, and focusing on. Karen is his imaginary friend. <laughs> yes, yes, mm-hmm. we should have covered that. He has an imaginary friend. Karen's named like Karen. my bizarro me. <laughs> oh, Karen's Karen too. Everybody, better stop. Oh boy. Uh, thinking of this as an hour twenty two minute film, and also uh, how much talk there is now of this being the golden age of television, which it totally is. Absolutely, uh, yeah. and feels like people buy into uh, television storytelling more mm. these days. The idea of delving deeper into a world, like having the time to spend with characters. Yes. Whereas movies have gone to, you know, either there's these little indie, uh, you know, slice of life movies, which there's a, I mean, there's some very good ones, but there's also a hackiness to oh, the absolutely. In, indie scene as well. And then yeah. these huge, gigantic Marvel superhero movies. Yeah. And I think those, there is a lost art, uh, in movie making today of can you in an hour and a half make the audience care about these people? Mm-hmm. Yep. And, we it feels it feels like we care more about television characters now that we can spend yeah. uh, seasons with them and follow their arc over the course of thirteen episodes and then we watch the next thirteen episodes. But uh, there's something about movies where you can just fall in love with somebody who's never going to be seen in a movie again and really yes. invest in them. And I just don't see that many movies these days that do that. Yeah. And I think not only does Purple Rose of Cairo do it. Uh, clearly the fake movie Purple Rose of Cairo did it for Cecilia. Yes. A, yeah. As well. And so that's kind of the central metaphor uh, of the movie is mm-hmm. the way that we fall in love with, with movies. And I think it's getting to be a lost art. Mm-hmm. I agree with that 100%. I, I, I think there's probably several reasons for that. I, I feel though, um, it's a shame in a way because we somehow, like you said, have the attention span for six hours of something that's just been released, you know, on Netflix or Hulu. But, um, there, there is, there's becoming, um, fewer places for movies like this. And it's, uh, I, I feel that's kind of sad because these are my favorite types of stories. And what I like about a movie as opposed to a show, mm-hmm. uh, and I love shows as well, obviously, but you, like you said, in, in 90 pages, can you wrap this all up? And can yeah. you stick the landing? And I think um, 
you know, with a show, you obviously have so much more time and there could be episodes or even seasons where you go off on little tributaries. And then as we've seen with shows like Lost, for example, it's like you find out years, years later, it's like, no, we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> we were meandering, you know, and, and then yeah. I think fans feel kind of cheated by that. I, I wish that this would come back. I, I hope there is a place for it more, these types of small movies, but. Agreed. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to. No, no, no. I, I think you guys covered it. I agree. And it feels like even for ambitious movies that are trying to do that, you know, a lot of times like Carla and I will go to see a movie like that. And we're like, yeah, there was almost a good movie there. Like, yeah. like maybe it was trying to do too much. You feel like maybe there were some plot lines that got cut and so, but there were still like vestiges of it in there or they just didn't they didn't tweak the character in the in the right way to get you to care i think a lot of times it has something to do with how many people's fingers are in it yeah and so obviously with woody allen it's woody allen yeah <laughs> yeah and his trusted people that he's been he's been working with for for forever um but you go to see another movie even something that you know maybe isn't a marvel movie but it's just a you know major release, and you're just like, oh, but the tone is just slightly off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Probably because a hundred people were giving notes on every True. You know, phase of it. It's but a lot of it's the bottom line too, right? right? You know, you have you have business people, and they're going like, well, if you put in this character, we could actually bring in a little bit more money, or yeah. this storyline could be Mass amped appeal. up, and you get this demographic, and that's a shame because yes. the story suffers. You're either if it's a new movie, you're either trying to tie into archetypes that already exist of like you know who this guy is, he's <laughs> right. like the guy from the movie, yeah, you know, it's the guy, and so it's <laughs> it's very sketched out, yeah, uh, and they're not thinking of it as a real person. Or it's a pre-existing character of like people who have read the graphic novel or the comic book or the yeah. video game. And they have an expectation or, for this character. and They already know who it is. Yeah. But, but those movies uh, just kind of feel like fast food. They're exciting Definitely. for two hours, maybe, and then you've forgotten about them later that day. They don't stick with you. Yeah. So now Woody Allen's thing is what? <laughs> like, where does he <laughs> He's get a his filmmaker, money? Carla. Does he use his own money for no. everything? No. He, uh, he does it, have investors. Yeah. He, he has investors that understand that, uh, this is why he's had to go to London and Spain and all these other places right. because he's got to get investors that understand, like, you're putting money in and you'll get maybe some money back. But even if you get money back, it won't be a lot. Yeah. Right. And there's a great chance you won't get any back, but you'll get to be a producer on a Woody Allen movie. So that's yeah. basically as And we'll I shoot it, it in your city. And we'll shoot it in your city sometimes. Yeah. We'll bring like, you know, uh, to Rome with love. Right. Uh, you know, that sort of thing of like, we'll bring your business. But yeah, it, it's, it's essentially like a business transaction. Of and the name actors are working for scale, scale or at least much less than they would normally get paid. Yeah. And so what is his top grossing film? I have a guess. Mm. Was it Match Point or was it Mid? I think Midnight in Paris beat Match Point. I think you're right. I think, I think yeah, so. that's that yeah. was my guess. Midnight yeah. in Paris. Yeah, I up think in, you're right. Up until that point in 2005, it was Match Point, and that was a big deal because that was his big hit in a while. Um, the irony of all of this is, of course, he doesn't care what's a hit mm-hmm. <laughs> or what wins anything or what's nominated. And for those who don't know, like he doesn't go to the Oscars. It's not. Right. It's not really about that for him, um, but. Uh, you know, we get to enjoy some of them. Yeah, I remember after nine eleven, he went to the Oscars that, that the next one. year. That's the only thing that'll get a, him to go to the Oscars. Yeah, <laughs> to go in New York. That's what he said. Uh, For New York, tribute. I'll do everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that was like, I remember that was such a big deal. 
We watched that at Second City, that one. I watched it in the ETC theater, that Oscars. I think that was the same Oscars that Julia Roberts said, I love my life, and made it about her, which was <laughs> hilarious to me. I think that was the year before. Oh, was so it? That was Halle Berry one. Oh, Halle Berry? Okay, for that uh, was yeah. Monsters Ball. Monsters Ball. But the mm-hmm. year before, I think it was... I love my life. <laughs> I love my life. Oh, I'm so glad you love your life, Julia I would guess that you probably love your life. <laughs> I'm fucking Julia Roberts. <laughs> anyway, so... Somebody won an award. <laughs> well, let's all hope for another 9-11 to get Woody back to the end. <laughs> oh, my God. Is it too soon? Too soon. <laughs> uh, I just think I'm just hooked on this movie just from that first shot of just Cecilia, like, looking longingly at the poster. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then it just kind of goes through her routine of like, you know, just one ticket at, yeah. the, at the box office and getting her popcorn and everything. Yeah. And just like, it just really kind of captures that feeling of just like being excited to go to the movie. Absolutely. And that the theater that they're in looks a little like my theater from college that I saw oh, okay. actually several movies that are on Craigslist on, <laughs> awesome. you know, reminds me maybe a little of uh, the Vista here in LA yeah. or the music box in uh, Chicago where I saw a lot of great movies. I think it was called the Kent Theater. In Brooklyn, where Woody actually went. Um, so it wasn't Bleecker Street, but it was this other one. I mm-hmm. can't remember the exact name. I think it was Kent. That was the interior. The exterior was in Piermont, New York. Okay. Like this small little town. But yeah, it, it definitely has that feeling of like, <clears throat> I think we can all relate to being young and going into there. And was it his boyhood movie theater, that uh, the Kent? Uh, I believe it was. That and Bleecker Street. Which is, yeah. a, uh, he talks about a lot where you used to see the Marx Brothers and wow. so cool. he had that feeling of, I think it's in Crimes and Misdemeanors where they come out of the theater and they're like, ah, the sun. Like, <laughs> yeah. like when you go to an afternoon movie theater, he captures that really well. He also shows a lot in Purple Rose as opposed to telling, which is, um, should be noted for a Woody Allen movie. Yeah. His movies are generally pretty talky yeah. and often explain the major themes uh, over and over. <laughs> yeah, but that's a good point. It's a good visual in this. Yeah. Uh, the AMC 16 was my childhood movie theater. <laughs> oh, nice. I had the Yorktown 8. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, going back further, uh, Springfield Mall is where I saw, that's where I first saw Star Wars. Oh, wow. E. You grew up in the Simpsons? Raiders. Yeah, I grew up in <laughs> so the Simpsons. Lucky. I can't tell you what state it's in, though, so sorry. <laughs> state of happiness. <laughs> that's cool. Then we'd all go to the Quickie Mart for a slushie. <laughs> uh, well, let's get into a regular segment on this show that we call Carla's Quotes. Oh. She's feeling her oats and Craig's taking notes. Whatever they are, it's Carla's clothes. So, Brian, these are actual things that Carla said during the movie while watching it. Oh, my God. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, At the beginning, uh, you see her... Uh, working at the shitty diner that she works at and uh, she's terrible at waiting tables and oh, every customer has a complaint. She's dropping plates. With her real life sister, by her the way. real life sister, oh, really? Stephanie Farrow, yep. who plays uh, Cecilia's sister yeah. in this. Is Stephanie Farrow the one that hung out with the Beatles? That's Ooh. Prudence, right? Oh, right. Prudence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course. Stephanie Farrow's also, I believe, in Broadway, Danny Rose. I, I think so. I believe. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Is there a Prudence Pharaoh or or did they change the name? Was it Stephanie and they called her Prudence for the song? I can't remember. Uh, I, feel like I know the song Dear Prudence was. is about Mia Pharaoh's sister. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but anyway, during that waiting table scene, Carla said, this scene makes me insane because I've been a server and it's the fucking worst job. <laughs> <laughs> Every time they showed her waiting tables and she'd be like dreamy and talking about uh-huh. <laughs> the movies. I was like, oh, I totally feel that. That's really? how I was when I was waiting tables. That was accurate? Yes. 
What was the worst part, may I ask, about waiting? I've never done it. Oh, God. I was just really... I was just really bad at dealing with complaints, I think. <laughs> I am I am too. That's why I couldn't ever do customer. Yeah. I got fired for Second City for throwing tickets at like some old <laughs> Gold Coast woman. Are you serious? I didn't throw it at her. I just said, here's your fucking ticket. <laughs> <laughs> she had so called and was really, I, I have a real like, I can't take it when people are like talking down. No. Like, the level of entitlement that people <sighs> have of like, you really, you really get a sense of who people are yeah. when you see yeah. how they deal with uh, people in service yeah. industry. You peer into their soul or lack thereof yeah. sometimes. And it's just really um, being able to juggle all those things at once was really overwhelming for somebody who's highly sensitive. <laughs> it's, a, it's a multitasking job. I can't imagine. Yeah. It's really... I had nightmares for years after I stopped winning tables. Yeah? yeah. Probably 10 or 12 years. Me too. Oh my. Of just like having a four top that you can't get to and just like your, your table, they keep seating more tables. Yeah. And- it's too much. Yeah. It's too much to deal with. Uh. I always felt like, sorry to stop the No, let's talk about here. waiting tables. <laughs> <laughs> I always felt like they should have a class in high school, every high school, <laughs> where you have to wait tables. Because then if it's something you're going to go do, then you're yeah. prepared. And if it's not, then you're you so right, respect servers yes, more. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and just teaching people how to order at a restaurant and what the proper etiquette is, yeah. too. Because that's another thing that people don't know how to fucking talk to servers. <laughs> yeah. It really yeah. is astounding. I, I oh. It's like... Come on, guys. You're not all going to be scientists. Some of, some of you are going to be waiters. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why we got this course. Oh, man. Uh, you could take one day away from bi- biology to teach waiting tables. <laughs> or one day away from gym. Yeah. Oh, gym. Uh, <laughs> back to the Purple Rose of <laughs> uh, I The... The look of the old movie is so well done. Like it yes. really looks exactly like a comedy from 1935. It's so detailed, yeah. And the, there's a lot of thought that went into that. And uh, one detail that I love is you can see the hand turning the title cards. Yeah, uh, which call. is kind of intentional. Well, Woody loves those movies, so you knew this was him just getting a chance to have so much fun with. Yeah. That world. The cinematographer, by the way, Gordon Willis, uh, who worked with Woody Allen a lot and also did the Godfather trilogy and all the President's Men. Just one of the great cinematographers, and it's beautifully shot, both the black and white and the color. Yeah, and he was known as the Prince Prince of Darkness. Prince of Darkness. He would always undershoot everything a stop or two, and he would uh, was known for putting pools of darkness inside of a shot. You see that a lot, especially at her home with Danny Aiello. Yeah, character. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, When Carla saw Edward Herman, she said, "Oh, I love this actor." I love him. I love him too. Re- so recently good. died. Yeah. Big Business. Did you see that movie? I saw Big Business. <laughs> yeah. He was like the 80s guy. Like yeah. He was one of the 80s dudes. Played FDR many times. Oh, yeah. Including in Annie, right? Yeah. Did yeah. he also play that? it in that little movie with um, Kirsten? Uh, I was going to say, wasn't that Hearst? Was he Hearst. Playing? That was Hearst. That was it. Where yeah, she the was like by a Donovich flapper. Movie. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah he played, he so played. That's what he played. Hearst. Played William Randolph Hearst. Guys, yeah. that actor's so good. <laughs> Very good. R.I.P. In, in the movie, they talk about going to the Copacabana. Of course, Carla sang at the Copa. <laughs> Copa Cabana. How can you not? Every time you, you hear that, you got to do <laughs> it. Blame that. <laughs> uh, somebody calls Cecilia fetching. Right? Is that is that Tom the character calls her that? <laughs> but Carla, yeah. Carla said, don't ever call me fetching. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Why did Warning I say chat. that? I don't know. Because you are quite... Uh, don't say it. Hot. hot. <laughs> what, what don't you like? Hot. What don't you like about it? Is, is it kind of I think it, it was the way he said it. Ah. Uh, the association with dogs? I think maybe that was what it was. Dogs yeah. fetch? 
Just like it's weird. a weird, weird compliment to pay to a woman. I honestly think it's on its way out. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if we're going to be using it much more. Stop trying to make fetching happen. <laughs> it's not going to. Hashtag fetching. fetching. Yeah. Uh, and then once... Uh, all the characters in the movie, by the way, in the fake movie, think that they're the lead character, that's which is like a nice tremendous. recurring so bit. Funny. So funny. So good. That's another part. You're just like, Woody Allen, that's so genius. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So good. And Carla said, this is some serious multi-level Freud confusion bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Was this your first time seeing it? No. Okay. I think it's the fourth. Oh, cool. I hadn't seen it in a while, though. Uh, <laughs> I love this movie. Somebody got called Tub of Guts. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Tub of Guts. Uh, but Carla said, tub of guts is the best. <laughs> I'm going to call you that when I'm mad at you. Were you having a little wine at this point? <laughs> nope. No. <laughs> Carla, oddly sober for this one. <laughs> That's great. Uh, what, one thing I like about, well, one thing I like about Woody Allen movies in general is that he's willing to give a laugh line to anybody in the movie. Oh, yes. You know, and I think there's so many comedies where it's like, only this guy's allowed to be funny. Yep. He's the lead and everybody else is like, oh my, and reacts. That's as such a, a good observation. Man. And, you know, not only like actors, you know, who are good actors in small parts, but like people you've never seen in any other movie. You know? Yeah. Maybe this is the only movie they ever made have a memorable line or yeah. a memorable moment in it. So I think it's, it's very generous writing to just let every Everybody be funny. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I feel like he does that. Um, I think he does that more than we even realize. Can I jump in for yeah. a second? I feel like he, uh, you know, when Michael Keaton was was fired, there was a time where uh, the studio and everyone was saying, Woody, just do it. We can't get an actor. And he's like, I'm not going to do it because it won't work. And for him to have that sort of, it's like he could do it and it could be funny, but the movie that he wanted to make wasn't going to happen that way. And so you can see like the ego taking a back seat to no this is this is what i want and he does that with with characters all the time is he'll give them little moments and like you said like people will have memorable lines and moments from the you know from his movies going far back as the 70s just because he's he's a writer first he's not an actor he's not even really he'll say he's like not a not a director he's a writer and he wants everybody to have their own thing yeah yeah and as somebody who's played a few bit parts in Woody Allen films, in not in Woody Allen I'd films, be, oh, Jesus. but on you know, I I am DB me because I do have <laughs> some credits. <laughs> I've got a credit or two, uh, or I've auditioned for things too. You know, for a tiny part, for like a three line part, sure. and there's nothing to it. You know, right. and but then when you go in for something that's small, but like somebody has put some thought into it. Totally. Uh, you're very appreciative for that as, as an actor. But I think there's also a thing for TV of just like, well, we'll get somebody somebody funny and they'll make it funny. Yes. You know, we'll get an improviser and they'll right. punch, punch it up a little bit, which I'm happy to do. But it's better if it's funny on the page to begin Absolutely. with. Absolutely. Well, can I just uh, real quick, the um, giving everybody and everybody in the movie, within the movie, thinking that they're the main character. You know, that's sort of something I was taught with writing was write as though everyone is the main character mm. so mm-hmm. that you give them their own little arc. And that is something I do to this day. If I'm writing a script, it's like, well, I don't want to just name this guy Busboy number three. Like, let's right. give him a name and let's give him something and let's let his lines mean something as opposed to because then when it comes time to casting, it's going to be the same thing. You yeah. Get somebody in there and you, they may do well like an improviser or they may not know what the hell they're doing and 
the moment won't work. But anyway. And you just wrote on a little show called Girl Boss that I think did that. Yeah, well. And they gave a little part they gave a to little a guy part. named Craig Kikowski. <laughs> As he said earlier, I am DBM. Now, yeah, Craig did a great job. That is a perfect Thank you. <laughs> you guys, I'm just going to leave the room, okay? <laughs> but, but, but case in point, to, to prop you up a little bit, it was a perfect example where in the room it was a scene where we needed someone who was you know, just called a security guard at that time. And, you know, this is a, this is a credit to Kay, who, who also knows you, of course, and his old friends. Uh, we could have just given this and it just could have just been this little role that sat there or we could have put some time into it, give them some funny lines and then hire someone we know who can kill it, who happens to be our friend. And that's what we do with Craig and he's fantastic. But that is such a, um, that type of writing, I think, is uh, whether or not we realize it is inspired by by Woody and and that sort of approach of like let's give everybody some fun, yeah, you know, in this movie. So, and you did a great job. Yeah, uh, check it out. Episode two, I believe. Episode two, <laughs> and then watch more than that. Watch There's... you. You got Ryan's in it too. I, I first five, very six. Oh, my gosh, <laughs> was it five? I don't remember honestly, but the it fact that you would a even you later. Yes, it's I great. watched the whole thing. You got. Oh my gosh, she gets nicer, folks. We take her on a journey. <laughs> Can't start her from. Anyway, one of the once she the once nicer. everything is gone, <laughs> <laughs> once everything everything's gone haywire with the Purple Rose of Cairo, and uh, you know all the the film goers are complaining that it's not the movie that they <laughs> they saw. Uh, I think it. I forget. I don't think this is Cecilia. I think this is just a random moviegoer. But somebody says, "I want what happened last week to happen this week. Otherwise, what's life about anyway?" I loved that. <laughs> yes. And that predicted the internet basically because yeah. yes. that's what everybody's experience is of like, I want the thing that I want and I want it exactly to be my thing. Absolutely. You know? It was prescient. He's also very meta, that movie. You know, when, when what's his name says, uh, Gil goes, I try to take, I try to make one a year. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like we're stepping outside even of the reality of the movie. We're shooting a little bit. Well, there's also the thing when he says, it's my character. I created him. And she says, didn't the man who write the, wrote the movie do that? <laughs> yes, that was great. <laughs> that was Which good. is a little of a little of, bit of, of, hey, yeah. Woody, the writer and God speaking up, winking at us. Yeah. Uh, let's get back to some Carla's quotes. Carla <laughs> says, Yes, I love please. that he explains away the reality with just because a thing never happened before in history doesn't mean it can't happen. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Like that's, it's that's one, one of, one of the, the film things. executives says it. Like just yeah. because a thing never happened before doesn't mean it can't happen. <laughs> it's true too. It kind of covers so it. Great. It's so smart. It's like that whole logic thing we were just talking about yeah. uh, is explained in that one bit of dialogue. It's good writing. Woody Allen, you're so good. Sorry. <laughs> I hope that's not a trigger for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> we see the actor Michael Tucker, who, of course, we remember as Bagel from Diner. There you go. Carla said, my God, that guy's been the same age forever. <laughs> On Danny Aiello, I hope that guy falls out a window, but I, <laughs> but I don't think he does. <laughs> yeah, it was a while since I'd seen that movie. That's hilarious. <clears throat> uh, halfway point, I am falling asleep. Even the shortest movie. No, but that was... <laughs> It wasn't because I was We were bored. watching it late at night. We, we watched it, it oh, no, super late yeah. after Karen, I was... My, my alter ego, Karen? Yeah. That to her. <laughs> I don't know. I just say she's my wife. We see... <laughs> what is wrong with you? We see Danny Aiello as Monk uh, gambling with a bunch of his buddies. Carla yeah. said, what are they throwing? I said, dice? And Carla said, how boring. <laughs> They're just like throwing dice at the wall. It was like, the depression. Yeah. They had nothing. They couldn't oh. do anything else. 
And then the Tom character is hanging out at an abandoned amusement park, you know, mm-hmm. which makes for some great visuals. But they're kind of at a fun house at one point. And Carla said, look at those freaky clowns. Is this Woody <laughs> Allen's apartment? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> what I like about that is it's funny. While still making no sense. Right. Yeah. Totally. Well, that's, yeah, that's the perfect logline for Carla's quotes. Yeah. <laughs> um, really well done effects for 1985 of having Jeff Daniels interact with Jeff Daniels, too. Yeah. yeah. They did some great stuff there. A lot of that is Gordon Willis, too. Uh, there's some, uh, uh, there's a good score by Dick Hyman, I believe, is the composer. Okay. Uh, and Jonathan Dinerstein, our. <laughs> Composer, by the way, would like us to clarify that soundtrack is when you use pre-existing needle drop recordings and a score is when a composer has written original music for the film. Jonathan, we knew that. I love you, buddy, but we knew that. <laughs> <laughs> but we just were Boom, Jonathan. being not, not, not paying attention, I guess, when we were talking. Carla just dropped the mic, Jonathan. <laughs> and I think there's a mix of original music and throwback music uh, within this. But at one point, Carla got really uh, excited by the big band music and said, let's do the Charleston. <laughs> oh, that's great. Then there were a couple of Carla's quotes that I wrote down and then had to delete uh, upon requests. And then on the third attempt, Carla said, Carla's quotes aren't fun anymore. I'm judging everything I say. (laughs) (laughs) I did have this weird – maybe it was perfectly timed with this movie of the movie inside of the movie (laughs) coming out of the movie. But I was just like, I'm thinking about what I'm saying and that's not fun. (laughs) Right? Yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Once you once you're aware, it's yeah. It's not as funny. Yeah. Cuz it's a meta movie, it was a meta moment for yeah. Carla. Yeah. Uh Carla said So I'll get drunk next time. <laughs> so I don't think about that. <laughs> Just lose. Don't worry, it. Craigslist. Don't worry. She'll get drunk again. <laughs> uh Carla said Jeff Danner's replaced someone, right? Eric Stoltz? <laughs> I like that. I like that. When I, when I t- if, if Eric Stoltz had shot the first week of every movie in the 80s. <laughs> I oh, was joking guy. when I said that. I know you were. That's great. Then you said how embarrassing for Michael Keaton, but then he did Batman, so everything was oh, fine. I already said that too, for real. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, when the hookers say to Tom, are there any other guys like you out there? Carla said, nope, just on the big screen, which is the point of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I like your your t- <laughs> <laughs> There's a fun scene where Cecilia plays a mean ukulele, by the way. Yeah. And uh and Gil uh Jeff Daniels sings along with her, and then the old lady who runs the music store joins in with them on piano. <laughs> and Carla said, nowadays music store owners are like, Don't touch the instruments. <laughs> but back in the day it was a party. <laughs> I but, like you're working from the idea that there's still music. Stores. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Where you can get sheet music. You go, you go yeah. to Guitar Center and they're like, don't touch the don't instruments. Touch anything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sure. Jeff Daniels, a very young 30, by the way, yeah. in this movie. And Mia Farrow was 40. Crazy? Maybe the most fun sequence in the movie is uh, Tom, the character, invites her into the movie with him. Yeah. And so right. it comes back to life, but so now fun. with Cecilia in the movie. And they've set up all these callbacks later for when they go to the Copacabana. Yes. They, there's always six of them, but yeah. now there's seven, which yeah. throws off the host. Yeah. Can't believe it. Yeah. But the the best joke in the movie, I think, is when the the guy who's the maitre d' at the, the nightclub yes. is like, you're just ditching the plot? Yeah. <laughs> Finally, I can do the thing I've always wanted to do. <laughs> and goes into a tap dance yes. routine. Hit it, boy. 
boys. It's but phenomenal. it's not just a tap dance. It's like the best tap yes. dance yes. you've ever He's seen. Great. Yes. It is It is a phenomenal uh, sequence. It, it is really so is. Magic. funny. And Carla said, I've always wanted to do that too, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a montage, like one of those old movie montages of just, you know, neon signs yes. of all the nightclubs. Carla said, they went clubbing. <laughs> oh, because it's like uh, Harlem, Harlem Club. The der- uh, was it the Brown Derby or no? That no, was the, it just says Harlem Club. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It says another city club and then another city it's, club. He's having fun with every shop, though, yes. with that. That's really cool. Uh, so now, spoilers ahead. I'm going to talk about the end of the movie. If you are thinking about watching it and you haven't, I uh, highly recommend you doing so. But uh, we're just going to talk about the last few moments. Mm-hmm. So uh, both of these guys are kind of professing their love for her in the movie theater. Tom's up on the screen. Gil is there. And she decides to stay with Gil in reality. <sighs> and and Tom disappears back into the Purple Rose of Cairo. Yeah. And then the next morning, Gil has gone back to Hollywood. He ditched her. Actors lie to you. Yeah. People. And it's just heartbreaking. She's stuck in her shitty marriage with Danny Aiello. Yeah. But then... She goes to see Top Hat with Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's the wonderful sequence of dancing cheek heaven, to cheek. I'm yeah. in heaven. And you see, and she's still got, she's got her ukulele with her. She's yeah. got her suitcase. She's, she was ready to go. Uh, and, and then gradually, uh, her mood changes, just falling in love with this <laughs> this movie, and it's just one of the more beautiful endings to a movie I can think. So of. it cuts from uh, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers singing and dancing to Mia's face, and she looks so sad. And then the more that she watches them, she starts to smile, yeah. like a little smile in the corner. It's so great. It's really great. Oh. It's really something. Oh, it's, it's so good. It gave me a little chills thinking about it and talking about it. I, I will say, do you guys know that the studio wanted to change it, of course? Happy MGM. Ending. Yeah, well, they yeah. said they said after screening, they said this will be a huge hit. If <laughs> I don't know about that. But, but, well, that's yeah. all. That Who knows if that was true anyway. But it's just funny what his response was. <laughs> This is the movie I wanted to make. Yeah. So why would I change, you know, the outcome? It real life isn't the movies. No. We go to the movies to escape real life. It's just a perfect, <sighs> perfect ending, and then it just reminds you of just the beauty of movies and what uh, they can to, do, and what they can do to transform us. Yeah. And then a similar thing in his next movie, Hannah and Her Sisters, very much, where uh, his character is going to commit suicide and goes to see Duck Soup with the Marx Brothers, yes. and uh, changes his mind. So, which is interesting because that was the year after and '86, mm. and Woody had said uh, that he felt he sold out on mm. that. Because that does have a hopeful ending. Yeah. And it seems like he was taking the note from the movie before. And he and Diane Weiss right, have, because they end up they have a great story yeah. and they're going to have a child. And he said, I think I sold out. So, Well, we're going to do a little khaki theater. Uh, <laughs> so, Carla, would you play Cecilia? Yes. And Brian, would you play Gil, the actor? And I'll play Tom, the character? Sure. Great. And uh, where where are we for this scene? <laughs> Let's have it be the scene... Uh, when Gil comes in after she's just gotten off the screen with Okay. Tom. Oh, so this is like okay. the moment of truth. Yeah. Oh, gosh, Tom, that was the most amazing night I've ever had. Well, you know, I, I just love going clubbing with you. I mean, you can stay up here with with me forever. and <laughs> Or you could have the real thing. Oh. Oh, yeah. look at this guy. Hi. Hi, Gil. Oh, I'm look sorry. At me. I'm you. <laughs> I know I was supposed to meet you, I think. I'm... 
I'm everything he is, but I'm in the flesh. Isn't that better? Everything. Well, I mean... But I've got a pith helmet. Gosh. What's a girl to do when she has so many choices at once? Go with the real thing. Go with reality. You can, you can drink as much ginger ale as you want up here. Look at him. He's pathetic. <laughs> He's pathetic. He doesn't even know what happens after the lights go out. I know what happens. What? I went to a brothel and I got brothelized. <laughs> I took Wait a brothelizer a test. And I want to be with this dirty brothel Are you telling me that man? you slept with a prostitute, Tom? Look, they offered... Because I just kissed your mouth. Well, listen... Full disclosure, I've slept with a prostitute, oh. but it's only because I'm a Hollywood actor. Okay? Look, they offered a full-out oh, gangbang, four of them oh, tag-teaming me. Where's this brothel? <laughs> no, I love it's you. A very, it's a very small town. It's, it's right next to the... There's one know. brothel. It's right next to that creepy amusement park. Uh, after this conversation, I might just want to go home to my husband or, and get beaten every other day. Oh. <laughs> hey, look who it is. It's me, Danny Aiello. Oh, Monk. <laughs> Wait, it's not Monk. It's Danny Aiello. Playing no, me. it's me, Monk. Tony Shalhoub. I'm here as well. <laughs> <laughs> the real Tony Shalhoub or yeah. Monk the character? Because I'm the real Gil. I'm Monk the character. Wait, I'm Tony Shalhoub. What's going on here? This is a whole other thing they got to work out. I'm Sal. This is my pizzeria. Do you guys all like me because I look like I'm a 15-year-old girl? <laughs> oh, dear God. I'm a 40-year-old woman. And scene. Yes. <laughs> That's the best out for every scene. <laughs> Whoa, I she does. Hilarious. She looks so young. She, she looks. She was forty. Oh my god. She has a. T- <laughs> she has. I put the the mic down as though we're just now having chips. <laughs> you, you literally dropped the mic. I literally was like, when that improv scene, it wasn't that good. It wasn't. <laughs> I drop inv- invisible mics all the time, though. Um, no, yeah, she she's timeless. She's one of the timeless Amazing. actors on screen, and. Uh, She's, yeah. I'm not a huge fan of hers in general, but I, I love her in this. I mean, I prefer, if we're going to go in the context of Woody movies, I prefer Diane, but there's no... Um, Diane Weist. Diane Weist. Actually, she's <laughs> wonderful. Sure. Uh, but Keaton. and uh, But otherwise, yeah. No, I think she's a tremendous actress, Mia. Yeah. Uh, Brian, is this an A letter grade? Absolutely, yeah. Carla, what would you give it? A plus. A plus. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. What does that stand for? Um... <laughs> All right. Sometimes movies are just great when they're just an hour and a half. <laughs> Does that bug you? Sometimes movies are just too long. Yes. Yeah. Craig's got a lot of three-hour movies. This fit list. Carla's schedule perfectly. <laughs> uh, Brian, where can people find you online? And is there anything you'd like to promote? We already kind of talked about Girl Boss, Girl which Boss. you can easily find on your Netflix. Yeah, Netflix. I don't know. I don't. I mean, I'm on social media. Do it. <laughs> Do your Twitter. Promoted it's... myself. Brian Shortall, I think it's... At Twitter is the okay. handle. Yeah. Great. And just do bits on there. It's fun times. Great. Nothing, nothing <laughs> do you, crazy. Do um, terrorize Donald Trump on Twitter? No, I don't because I feel like that's covered. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's got that. Someone's yeah. got that. I, I always equate it to stuff like that. It's like, it's not even low hanging fruit anymore. It's like fruit that's on the ground and you're like, <laughs> look at this. It's like, yeah, I know he's an asshole. I got it. <laughs> so anyway, I just think, I, I just do mostly bits on there. There's nothing really political or anything. Well, Carla, uh, by the way, we are a third done with Craig's List. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you feel 
feel like you're getting out of jail. I love this. <laughs> Almost. And then I can live my life again. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Purple Rose of Cairo certainly staying on the list and staying about where it is uh, so on the list. It's it's perfect where it is. Wow. So how far down are you? You're a third, which puts you at what? This was number 67. So uh, next week we'll be covering number 66. Also one of the shortest movies on Craigslist. Yes. Less than an hour and a half long. However, however, this is a war film. Oh, oh boy! Technically, an anti-war film. Thin red line. Uh, Full Metal Jacket. And those guys are three hours. This movie was made in 1957. Oh, by uh, Mr. Stanley Kubrick. It's in black and white. Uh, something in Paths of Glory. It's Paths of Glory, starring Kirk Kirk Douglas. Douglas, yeah. Okay, Carl, have you seen this movie? Nope. Okay. Honest question: When you said I do. Did you think, did you know about this? <laughs> did you think this was part of it? I knew about it. I didn't know it was going to be a public thing that I'd have to do every week for two years of my life. We're about to celebrate our fifth anniversary. Is that right? Already? A few months away. Few you months were at our away. wedding? Day? I was. I, remember, I didn't think it was five years ago. I know. You remember that included in our vows that we had to do a podcast about movies? <laughs> I do recall that actually at the silent movie theater. Yeah. So, uh,. Carla Paz of Glory, a great, you know, you liked uh, Lolita more than you thought you would, right? I did. Yeah, this will be the second of four Kubrick films on the list. This is interesting. Four. So you've got probably Shining in 2001 in there, I'd imagine. I can't reveal any more than that. <laughs> oh, I didn't know this was yeah, part of the rules. We, we can't. We uh, don't know. Yeah. Okay. Because that one guy in his car, listening on his iPad, on his commute, <laughs> the one guy that I'm talking to. He's in level four? He's like, I love movies. I love uh, the Kakowskis, I'm in. <laughs> uh, Brian, thanks so much for joining hey us. Hey, guys. Thank you. This is thanks, awesome. Brian. Carla, thanks for marrying me and promising to do this podcast. <laughs> you bet. It's in our contract. You're a trooper, Carla. Yeah. And uh, we'll see you next week for Paths of Glory. The list is an absolute good. The list is life. <laughs>